0: When we want to host an event, we're just thinking of the creative aspect. We have this vision, and we want to execute it, and we're willing to put all of the money and energy that we need to in order to make this event happen. And one thing you'll find out is you'll say, like, oh, I'll, you know, get um, shavari chairs or linen and table, coats, right. uh, table covers and a flower wall and all of these things. And they start to add up really quickly, and before you know it, Not only have you not broken even for your event, but now you're at a loss. Hello, and thank you for joining us on Posh Talks podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Women Living Intentional, a group created for those who are looking and ready to live in purpose. Now over to your host, Tayani Tellis.
1: Hello and welcome to Posh Talks podcast. Where living intentional consists of high vibes and posh lifestyles. I'm your host, Sayani Tullis, and today's episode is Get Butts in Seats: Event Marketing and Event Planning. Shatoya Masters how to host sold out events that actually make a profit in six weeks. She helps service based entrepreneurs and thought leaders plan, coordinate, and execute signature events that help scale their business. Hello, Sasoya, and thank you so much for being a part of today's episode. I'm super excited to have you and to talk about some of these things. that are super exciting because I know personally for myself, um, a lot of entrepreneurs and, like I said, even myself have struggled Where's getting butts in the seat. So just thank you for being a part of today's episode and I cannot wait to hear all of the answers and um, you know, answer have you answer some of these questions that people so desire.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited, um, to talk about event marketing and planning so that entrepreneurs can actually make money from the events that they are hosting. Right,
1: right. So I know you have to get, like, a hundred of emails or DMs when it comes to event planning and not only executing but actually getting people to show up. So first things first, can you tell us a little bit more about your journey into entrepreneurship and how you got started?
0: Sure. So Alocar Galore started six years ago, and I got into event planning um, one, because someone saw a gift in me and a talent in me that I didn't know that I had. So I enjoy right. planning. Planning is my passion. I can do planning with my eyes closed. I can do planning without getting paid. Well, and wow. someone <laughs> asked me. <laughs> I'm super passionate about it. And someone right. asked me to um, plan their wedding for them. And I was like, plan your wedding? And this was before wow. I had an event planning business or anything. And she's like, Yeah, you plan everything else so well. Um, and she wanted me to plan her wedding. So I thought wow. about it, I prayed about it, and I was like, Okay, I'm going to plan this wedding. And maybe this could be the jump start into me getting into entrepreneurship and actually doing something that I love. Right. I planned um, her wedding for her. Um, it was an amazing, awesome wedding. Um, I got clients from the wedding. And I was like, Okay, I can do this. So I started right. this wedding. And then baby showers and kids' parties and um, business events as well. And I got a branding coach and just trying to get more specific and um, niche down into what exactly i do and who I wanted to serve, and that was specifically entrepreneurs and business events. So right, I, okay. You know, Stop doing all the other stuff and just focusing on um, business events. So it's been um about six years now, and then about a little over a year.
1: Wow. That is so awesome because I know, and I think, like, even just hearing, you know, about your journey in detail, um, I know for a lot of people event planning can be a wide range of things. So I think it was awesome that you touched on the fact that you got a really narrow niche on the market that you wanted to serve, and, I mean, like, how did that come about? Like did you fall out of love with specific event planning well, type of event planning um things that you were doing, or it was just like you saw a need in this particular industry?
0: Well, I started looking at um the clients that I had and the people that I was reaching and these extravagant. Baby showers, birthday parties, and kids' parties that they see on social media. However, they didn't have the budget to match it. Right. So it got um, a little bit frustrating sometimes with, you know, wanting to actually do these events, but struggling to get people who are actually going to have the money to spend for them. Right. So that was one, um, what they then That's part of our purpose goals, our value goals and even seeing so many entrepreneurs uh, just trying to mimic what they see everybody else doing. They see other people are hosting events, and it seems like it's working well for them, what they can see from the outside looking in. Then they try it for themselves, and then it's a complete fail, and they either have to reschedule their event or yeah. um, or cancel it. So that's what, draw me, what drew me near to working specifically just with service-based entrepreneurs.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Now, I know personally for myself when I started out, I did not know how to target the right people for my event. So could you give us maybe a few tips or tools on how to target, like, your ideal attendees?
0: Sure. So I think first you have to determine if your event is actually for your audience. So right. you're trying to figure out who it is that you want to target. So I always um, – I have a course, and it's the first module, and it seems so simple And it is simple, but it's so overlooked because nobody wants to actually take the time out to do it. So one, I get a lot of clients who come and they're like, well, I want to host an event, but I don't know what type of event to host. Or I've hosted events and nobody showed up. So first things first is you have to host an event that your audience actually needs. So what I typically do is I'll send a survey out to whoever is on my email list. I'll send a survey out or do a poll within various Facebook groups um, that are popular, just trying to see what it, what it is that people are actually struggling with currently. Because you can host something that you think that they may need, and they may have mastered step one, and they may need you to help out with step two. Um, so I always recommend going to your audience and allowing them to plan your event for you, so to speak. So they know what it is that they're struggling with. Once you know that, then you can build an event around their pain points.
1: Yeah, I love it. I love it. So how would you tell a person to a marketing event that is, like, that is new to their audience or target group? So I know you mentioned um, to really get specific and go back to, you know, those on your email list, those who have subscribed to certain things to see those pain points. But what if they're, like, new to this market and, say, for instance, they went through a rebranding and they're trying to reach a whole nother audience, but at the same time they're trying to introduce, you know, these new services or offerings that they have through these various events, how would they retarget and still have a successful event?
0: So one, with trying to get but some to your event, one thing um, – you have to realize that, one, you don't have to have 100,000 followers. You don't have to have 20,000 followers in order for you to sell an event out. Surprisingly, I have clients that have um, hundreds of thousands of followers on uh, all of their platforms combined, and sometimes those are the ones who we struggle to sell out their events quickly for. Because people can follow you, but you have to be mindful of how you're able to convert your followers and customers or buyers or attendees. So let's say a person is just starting out and they've never hosted an event before, or like you said, they're Mm -hmm. doing a rebrand. So a few things to take in mind is, one, you can leverage other people's platforms. And that can go a long way, but you have to make sure that whatever platforms or people that you're reaching out to to leverage, making sure that they have the same audience that you do or a similar audience, because you can get somebody with 20,000 followers who does beauty, but if you're trying to teach on something totally opposite, yes, they have a lot of followers, but their audience is not interested in you teaching them how to uh, create a media kit or something like that or branding. So making sure that they um, have a similar audience that you have as far as leveraging platforms go. Um, affiliate marketing, so if you are in business, I'm sure that you have business besties, you have friends, you have someone in business that you know, if you can partner with them and give them an affiliate link and say, hey, can you you know, post this on social media or can you send this out to your email list? And the key thing for that as well is what I tell my clients is literally whatever captions that you want them to post or whatever um, graphics that you want them to send out or even emails go ahead and draft that up so that when you send it to them, all they need to do is copy and paste. If you give people so many things to do, they're going to do it on their own time. And you guys, um, I'm pretty sure, see on social media where um, someone that you follow shows up and it's like, hey, I'm speaking at this event today at 1 o'clock. And it's like, wow, I wish I would have knew that three weeks ago and I would have prepared to attend. So they're doing it when they have the time to. Um, so those are just a few things. Facebook events you can put on there, uh, put your events on Facebook events on Meetup, um, leveraging um, other um, event ticketing platforms as well, and being on um, online calendars within the city that you're on, the city that you're in as well.
1: Yeah, and um, and that just goes into my next question. Um, is it important for a person to utilize all these different sites, such as Eventbrite? Or meet up um, like to get the most exposure for their business. Does it make a difference to be visible on all these sites, or should they stick to like one particular site?
0: If you're just starting out, for sure, leverage as many platforms as you can, because if you're just starting out, you don't know what works. You don't know where your mm-hmm. audience is until you're out there and they find you. So absolutely. Right. Um, but I do recommend for events, especially if it's a signature event, to have a um, a landing page for it or an event website for it. So that way, if you're hosting an event annually, um, they can look at past event photos and content and speakers and things like that. And it helps nice. you to be more credible as well.
1: Yeah, I love it. I love it. So, what components or areas would you suggest a person um, put more focus on when hosting an event? And, you know, I know there's a lot of components and things that, you know, take place for you to actually successfully execute um, an event, but what areas would you suggest as an event planner and event, doing event marketing um, should someone who is hosting an event put more of their
0: focus into Um, So the top two things, number one, is having an event marketing plan, and a lot of people don't even know what that is. And it's basically the tools, the techniques, and strategies that you will use in order to get people to purchase tickets to your event and attend. When most people are hosting events, they think that, oh, I can post on social media or I can create a content calendar, and those are my strategies. A content calendar is a part of your event marketing plan, but solely just having a content calendar is not an event marketing plan. You have to make sure that you are utilizing um, digital marketing. You're uh, utilizing online and offline marketing as well if you're doing ads and things like that. So there's a lot that goes into an event marketing plan. We talked about affiliate marketing and partnerships and leveraging other platforms, those are all things that go into your plan so that you can get people to your event page and for them to register and sign up for your event.
1: Gotcha. Um, the
0: second thing is a profit plan, and I can probably guarantee you like 90% of people don't do a profit plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we I want the <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and I was too at one point. Um When we want to host an event, we're just thinking of the creative aspect. We have this vision, and we want to execute it, and we're willing to put all of the money and energy that we need to in order to make this event happen, and one thing you'll find out is you'll say, like, oh, I'll, you know, get um, shivari chairs or linen and uh, table covers and a flower wall and all of these things, and they start to add up really quickly. And before you know it, not only have you not broken even for your event, but now you're at a loss where if you had um, been strategic and created a profit plan, you could have at least broke even or um, essentially make a profit as well. So when it comes to making a profit, a lot of times people just think, well, I have uh, sold 100 tickets to my event and the revenue from that is my profit that's not your profit, that's just your revenue. Your uh, profit is your revenue minus all of your expenses, so your venue, your photographer, um, your videographer, if you're doing catering and things like that. So whatever you make from ticket sales, sponsorship, vendor tables, um, things like that, minus the cost that it took you to put this event on, then that's what's going to be your profit. And once you start to create a plan, you'll be more mindful of, where do you want your money to go? Right. I love it.
1: I really love this advice, and I know I'm able to take away a lot of takeaways, and hopefully for those who are listening, they're really tuning in to the things that you're giving because I feel like these are key components that a lot of people overlook. And it's not, you know, by choice, but it's more so of just not knowing. And mm-hmm. I think you know the things that you're given could make or break the difference for an event, so I mean, I have a burning question, <laughs> like how can a person execute an event with like little money like I know at the beginning you talked about how you were kinda not wanting to service a particular what can I say a particular area or niche um because the budget just didn't match the vision. So, like, how can a person really come out and execute an event with little money?
0: Yes. So one thing a lot of people um, don't know is that you can make money from free events. One of my uh, first free events that I hosted, I made over $2,000. So you don't have to – and I didn't even pay for a venue space either. So Uh one hosting free events, you still can make money. But another key – so – Venues are one of the biggest expenses for events, and then catering comes in second. Um, I don't even recommend catering or food for my clients' events, especially if they don't have it in, within their budget, because catering can be expensive. Um, I had a client; she spent three thousand dollars for a fifty-person event for okay. a two-hour, a two-to-three-hour event. It's not necessary. People can eat before right. like some people can eat before they leave. You have to focus on why people are coming, and that's not right. to get a meal. Obviously, if you are hosting, you know, a dinner or a luncheon, that's the right. story. But if you're just doing a training or a boot camp or a conference, they can – you can set aside a break for two hours or an hour and a half, and they can have the opportunity to network with the attendees and have lunch, breakfast, dinner on their own. And it also helps them to be able to, you know, get out and explore the city and things like that. Right. Um, so one – finding budget-friendly venues, and I actually have a venue listing on my website. So most of my venues I do not pay for, and if I do pay for a venue, it's probably um, a couple hundred dollars or less, depending on how many people it is. So there are budget-friendly venues out there. You don't have to – Always go to a convention center, and I had someone mm-hmm. on a consultation call where they signed a contract for a thirty thousand dollar minimum of food and beverage, oh, okay. and did a room block and they wanted a hundred people and they had about twelve people who registered, and now they're binding to this contract, so oh, <laughs> that wow. goes on to say as well that. A 100-person event doesn't necessarily mean that that's a successful event. I had a client who um, did a three-day boot camp. Her goal was to get 20 people. I did her um, event marketing for her. She got 25 people and made $25,000. So her event was successful with just 25 people. So I think that we see... On social media, you know, all these people um, hosting events and they get, you know, hundreds and thousands of people, and we want that too. But we also have to be mindful that we have to start small and not despise our small beginnings. And as we continue to host, we will grow.
1: Right, right. And I think just listening, and I know even for myself personally speaking, we get caught up in the details because we want the pretty and the wow effect, um, you know, factor to it. But, you know, of course, learning, I'm pretty sure that you can agree. Like people remember more of the information than they do like the setup in a way. Yes. And have you, have you found that to be true? Like I know people come in and they love how beautiful it listen, I'm not saying have a raggedy event either. However, <laughs> Like, is that something that you would suggest um, or any advice, like, on how to not get caught up on the pretty and more of, like you said, the value that you're bringing?
0: Yes, absolutely. I actually do not even recommend all the pretty. I call it fluff depending on what type like, of event it is. Like I said, luncheon that is fine, but if you are coming – Or having your attendees come and you're teaching and training them, having charger plates and pink linen, nobody cares about that. And a lot of events aren't successful because the event hosts and the entrepreneurs are putting so much effort into the details of the event that they haven't spent time on the content of the event. And right. people leave, and it's like, oh, this event was inspiring, but I'm leaving. It's like, okay, well, what do I do now? They didn't provide any actionable strategies or plans for me to implement within my business or within my life. So right. stay away from the, the – I call it the fluff, the pretty details and flowers and things like that. But what I do recommend is finding a venue that has a great ambiance. Like co-working spaces is an, is, is an example. You can go into a co-working space, and you don't have to do anything. They have the tone set already. Maybe if you want to bring in some centerpieces, you can make them yourself, uh, get some stuff from the dollar store, Hobby Lobby, Michael's, things like that. Um, Another thing when it comes to branding, um, even though we're on a budget, that doesn't mean that you just throw stuff out there. (laughs) We're still focusing on branding, but if you're going to be hosting the same event, if it's going to be a signature event, one, making sure that you have a, um, you can do a retractable banner, you can have uh, branding and marketing material printed, like table tents and things like that. Just don't put the dates on it. Don't put the dates in the city if you're going to be traveling. That way you can reuse right. it. Same right. thing if you're going to do an, um, a step and repeat banner. Go ahead and get your branded materials, but just don't put the date and the location on there so that way you're able to reuse it. So, yes, it may be an investment for the first time, but once the second, third event comes around, you don't have that expense anymore because you already have what you need as far as branding purposes go. I love it.
1: I love it. So is there actually a difference between, like, event marketing and generic marketing um, when it comes to, like, business? Because I know, you know, for a lot of people – You know, they feel like, well, I know how to market my business. Well, would they use the same tactics as they would for event marketing, or is it a little bit different?
0: It's a little bit different, and I have a client that is a marketing guru, and when she hired me, she was like, I thought I knew everything. I'm like, no, event marketing is a little bit different. Uh (laughs) Um, Uh So it is a little different. Um, When it comes to event marketing, you're solely focusing on how can I get people to, one, see my event? So create invisibility.
1: Right. You have to make
0: sure that you are presenting yourself as a credible expert or a credible resource. Um, and then so those are two uh, top ones. And then how? what do I have to do in order to get people to see my event, get people to understand the value of my event? making sure that my event is um, actually valuable for my audience. Am I reaching the right people? Do I know where they are? How i am going to get them to attend my event? And then not only attend it, but how can you get them to be a client or a repeat attendee for for future events as well? So that all comes into the play of post-event marketing strategies. So once Mm -hmm. the event is over, how are you going to stay in contact with these people What do you have available for them until you host your next event or next workshop or online course or something like that? So it is a little bit different. There are some similarities, but when it comes to the event aspect, there are some very um, strategic things that you have to do that some marketers don't know. Right.
1: Awesome. I love it. So, like, how long would you suggest a person give themselves to promote and market an event?
0: So it depends. If you're just doing a meetup or a small workshop, I would say up to four weeks. So I used to start four weeks with my smaller events, and it came to a point where I can do two weeks, I can do one week. So at minimum, uh, four weeks. If you're doing a conference, at minimum, three months. And some clients um, start six months or 12 months, depending on if it's like a retreat. People need to do payment plans and flights and things like that. So just a workshop minimum, give yourself at least uh, two to four weeks. Two to four weeks, that's great.
1: That's great. So I'm going to shift gears here a little bit because, as we both know, like these entrepreneurial streets are real. And, you know, I like to ask questions that pertains to our walks in life. And my question for you is, for someone who's, Got a lot going on, and I know we all do. Um, how, in your personal life, are you able to execute everything that you have going on, or should, I, or should I say, create balance in your life?
0: Yes. So for me, one, I'm a planner, so you know I plan everything out. I have a daily. <laughs> so I have a daily and weekly schedule, so I just created it. Um, in a Google Sheets, like, on an Excel file, and I just have it broken out by um, half an hour increments, and okay. if it's not on my schedule, then I am not going to do it, <laughs> because oh, if, if it's not there, there's no time allowed for it. Um, so I have a lot going a on. <laughs> it is, but it helps me um, to develop a routine, so I know certain okay. things that are mandatory as far as, like, church and life group and Toastmasters and... Right. Um, things like that, and then I have uh, my time set for business as well. So from um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 5 a.m. to 9 a.m., I'm getting up and working on my business or client work. And then Tuesday, Thursday, I'll get up at 5 a.m., and I'll do my Bible studies or some type of spiritual um, reading or prayers uh, Tuesday, Thursday. So I do it every day, but Tuesday, Thursday is a break nice. from business. And then um, during lunch, I'll do – so I'm in a life group, a small group study, and I host one as well. So I do that on my lunch break. So my time is uh, very limited as far as what I have left after everything that I have going on. But in order for me to create balance, so what I do when I come home – I try to at least, like, just sit for an hour and do whatever I want to do if I want to, and that's my self-care. Some people right. always yeah. equate self-care to going to the spa, getting your nails done. It is, but you have to right. make sure that you are incorporating daily self-care into your routine as well, or you will get burnt out. Right. Um, so Monday Monday through Thursday, at least an hour to whether I'm watching a TV show or scrolling on social media, reading a book, whatever, and then Fridays are my designated self-care dates. So lately what I do is just pick up carry out and come home and catch up on my shows that I missed on the, um, during the week. Right. And sometimes I'll treat myself to the movies or dinner. Um, this past Friday was a mani-pedi day. So just trying to create some balance because I know as entrepreneurs, we think that it's just grind, 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 work, right. work, work. We also have to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves and making time for our family and friends as well.
1: Yeah, I love it. I'm actually try it because I have no discipline. Like, I'm that friend where it's like if you tell me, come, I'm coming. Like, if I can file some time. But I think it does work better when you put yourself on a system and it's like, okay, if it's not already notated, then, I'm not going. And it saves yourself mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, that eerie feeling of just not even really wanting to do something, but just knowing, okay, well, I wasn't letting, you know, I didn't know in advance, so I'm not doing it. It's not a part of my schedule. So I'm definitely going to try it, and I hope everyone else does too, because that's really great advice. Um, yeah. and we're Can I add
0: one more? Yeah, yeah <laughs> please. <laughs> So accountability, so I know like I mentioned that I get up at 5 a.m., I am right. not a morning person. I am a night owl. So why not have to force myself to go to bed at night? have oh, <laughs> accountability in the morning <laughs> to make sure right. I'm actually getting up. <laughs> right. So don't think I have this. Right. Yeah. But um, yeah. get some accountability in your life, though. It truly, truly helps.
1: Yes, I'm definitely, definitely. And, I mean, even just – being a part of life group, I feel
0: like with you giving
1: us accountability partners, it helps, but it's like, okay, mm-hmm. like do you have different accountability people that you tend to like this person is for this and this person is for this, or is it just like one person um
0: It is a few people um. And okay. I have to pray for this because I'm a strong friend who pours into everybody else and who right. makes sure everybody else is being held accountable. And one day I'm just like, well, who's holding me accountable when I'm supposed <laughs> to get up at 5 and I don't. So right. I have a friend. Um, so we both actually get up at 5 a.m. She has her personal things that she works on and I work on my personal things. So mm-hmm. one, um, whoever gets up first. Uh, so I'll say this. An accountability partner is not someone who's going to, like literally force you to do something. They can hold you accountable, but you still have to be the one to execute. Okay. Um, so I can call you every morning at 5 a.m., and you can go right back to sleep after you get off the phone with me. Right. <laughs> and that would not be effective. Accountability is great because I did my part, but you have to make sure that you're doing um, yeah, your part. So what helps me is sometimes she'll have to call, you know, if I'm staying up late just to make sure that I get up. But we both read devotionals in the morning. So whoever gets up first and finishes theirs, you know, they'll send to the other person. If one person hasn't responded, you know, and it's been maybe 20 minutes, then we need to call because somebody probably still in the bed (laughs) asleep. Right. So that's my accountability for the morning um, when I'm not working on my business. Now, when I am working on my business, I go to Starbucks in the morning and I have someone that I meet with. So same thing. We call whoever wakes up first, call and make sure, you know, uh, the other person is up and we head to Starbucks. So that's the accountability. So I can't oversleep and she has Starbucks or vice versa. (laughs) Um, So for me, once I commit to something, then I have to do it. Um, If I'm committing to waking up at 5 a.m. and – I don't send my devotional, and, you know, I'm asleep, I'm going to feel bad because I feel like, wow, I'm being lazy or I'm not taking this accountability thing serious, and right. I'm also, like, not driven to get up and get done what I need to get done. Gotcha. That is
1: so awesome. Like, the discipline that you have, and I know you had, of course, to create that, but it's so awesome. Like, <laughs> that is so awesome, mm-hmm. especially 5 a.m., Cecilia, says. Literally, I don't even know what
0: that looks like on the clock, y'all. So, <laughs> well, it took me a while to get there. Um, like, start, like, if you usually wake up at 7, try to get up at yeah. 645 and 630 and just kind of work yourself back. Because if you just try to get up three hours earlier, it will be difficult.
1: Okay. Okay. Note it. <laughs> so, like I
0: said, we're getting close to the end. If you can sum up your journey in one word, what would it be? I could sum up my journey in one word. mm, that's a good one. Uh-huh. Perseverance is the first one that comes to mind just because my journey has been i mentioned in the beginning as far as well actually, I didn't mention this part when I first started my business, I did an event it was a four uh a four part four parts of my uh, business, event, travel, financial, and career planning. (laughs) So I had a lot going on under one company. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So starting from there and then taking all of those out and just focusing on events and then even narrowing it down even more to focusing on um, service-based entrepreneurs and making sure that they're hosting profitable and sold-out events and then starting an agency um, so I didn't just, you know, wake up and everything just worked. Like, it was a journey. <laughs> right. <of laughs> and course. sometimes when you're um, transitioning or doing rebrands, it's kind of like you're starting over. It actually is like you're starting over. So yeah. once you do a rebrand, um, you're start literally starting from the bottom up again. So just me being able to continue to push through. Um, it's been days where I'm like, okay, God, we're, where's my next client? When are you going to send me somebody else to I work with? Right. Or how can I um, get people um, to understand what this agency consists of or get people to understand what event marketing is? So it's a struggle. Um, but just with me being um, faith-led and God-led and knowing that this is something that he has given me as far as a gift and a talent, and he didn't call me into this for me to give up. And just like anything that you do in life, um, it's going to be challenges. Um, It's going to be struggles. But as long as you continue to keep pushing forward, you're going to get to that end goal.
1: Yeah, I love it. I love it. This has been, like, super awesome. I've loved all of the nuggets, the gems that you have given us. And, I mean, are there any upcoming events that they can support you at any last words or advice you would like to give? If no, how can they find you and connect with you? And, of course, take advantage of the courses and the services that you offer.
0: Yeah, so upcoming now, um, within the next couple weeks, my course is reopening. Um, So you guys, if you want to sign up for that, and I'll literally be walking you through how to um, start the process of planning your event to creating your event marketing and profit plans and executing it. And it's a little bit different from other courses because I'll actually be there for support, so I'm not doing, you know, hot seat lives or Facebook lives or anything right. like that. Once you have completed a module, you can go ahead and send me what you have implemented, and I will critique it and give you feedback and let you know if you're on the right track, if you need to change anything so literally having hands-on access to me throughout okay. the entire six weeks. Um, yes. So you're not just, you know, watching recorded videos. You have me live in person as well. Um, so it's a very beneficial um, course and also helping with getting uh, media for your events. So getbuttsandseats.com. You can find me and the course. Um any free resources and my free trainings are at a la carte And I am on all social media businesses, a la carte galore. I am mainly on my personal page, which is um, Shatoya Antwine, on all social media. So I look forward to you guys um, visiting the website and taking advantage of the resources. And if you have any questions, feel free to DM me or send an email
1: I love it. I love it. I love it. And as always, Shacoya, it has been a pleasure speaking with you. I know this information has helped me. So my focus in doing this is that it transfers over into all of those who are listening. And listeners, all of Chisoya's information, show notes, um, get butts in the seat information, course details will be in the show show notes. And remember to subscribe at www.intentionallyposh.com for upcoming episodes. Our Flash fast Atlanta retreat is happening August 31st, 2019 through September 1st, 2019. Come out and learn how to get crystal clear and how to scale your business. We will have social media workshops, brand strategy sessions, affirmation and manifestation sessions, and to close, brunch at one of the hottest spots in downtown Atlanta, also, take advantage of our one-hour strategy and planning calls by signing up today. July is the last month that we will be accepting private coaching calls, so use code Podcast to receive a special discount. During this call, you will gain the creativity and clarity to launch your dream project, marketing strategies, and identifying market opportunities. Again, you can book online at www.intentionallyposh.com. This is the last month that we're doing it. We're doing away with it, but we do have something bigger and better coming behind. Lastly, our 90-day dream course is now live. Sign up to receive private intense coaching as well as twenty four seven support. You will learn how to ditch the workers' mentality, the key to running your business like a CEO, social media strategies, and lastly once to scale how to sell and grow. We thank you again for listening and until next time, have a high vibe intentional week. Thank you, Shatoya, and we will connect again soon.
0: <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yay. Thank you again for listening to Posh Talks Podcast. This podcast was brought to you and sponsored by Women Living Intentional and Intentional Investments. Want to learn more about us? Check us out at intentionallyposh.com. And as always, have a high five intentional week.